Ephesians chapter 6. So we've spent some time here, uh, a good bit of time, the last several weeks, talking about the armor of God. We have uh, tried to emphasize that this, this armor of God is complete. Welcome to the Grace and Mercy Hour, brought to you by Rocky Mount Church in Arab, Alabama. Rocky Mount Church is a primitive Baptist congregation, a family-integrated church that seeks to worship God in spirit and in truth, a church that seeks to maintain the simplicity of New Testament worship. Thank you for tuning in. Please stay tuned at the end of the broadcast for contact information, and may the Lord bless our time together today. This armor of God is complete. The reason that God has given us this armor is because we are called to battle. Uh, we have this armor described to us in this way, beginning around verse 14. We're to have our loins girt about with truth. We are to have the breastplate of righteousness. We are to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We're to have the shield of faith. We are to um, have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And that's that verse 17 is where we've been a little bit the last couple of weeks. So I want to think about, let's read verse 17 and a couple of more verses. And take the helmet of salvation, Paul writes, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I want to spend a few minutes thinking about praying. We have this armor of God. The last couple of pieces of this armor Paul makes mention of is the, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And the way he writes this, it's, it's almost like, okay, you, you have the armor thus far, and there's two more. There's two more pieces of the armor that are vital, that make it a complete set. This helmet of salvation, this sword of the Spirit, and now that you have the complete set, pray. Before we go to battle, we're to pray. And we're to pray for others who are engaged in this battle. And we're to pray for those who are um, leading in the battle. And that's not just the pastor, but it is the aged men and women, the mature men and women who have been engaged in this battle for a long time, whose experience and leadership and example we need. So we're to pray for one another and we're to pray for those who would lead us and lead us by example in this battle. He says, praying, with all, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Let's think about praying for a minute. <clears throat> When's the last time you prayed? Did any of you pray this morning when you woke up? Nobody prayed this morning. You can raise your hands. It's okay. You can raise your hands in church. Now, don't tell a story. Don't tell a If you didn't pray, I, I understand that. We, 
we are remiss at times in our prayer life. We don't pray as we ought. We are to always have a prayerful spirit about us, pray without ceasing. We are to be ready to pray in all circumstances, in all situations. Here lately, I, I confess, I, I found myself, first of all, seemingly engaged in prayer in recent days and maybe weeks than, than perhaps what I, you know, other seasons that I've been through. And then just in the last couple of days, it seems to, it all of a sudden dawned, you know how the light bulb goes off? Oh, I haven't prayed lately. And, and that's kind of how it happens. And you get caught up, and that's not how it ought to be, but that's kind of how it happens. And then I find myself, when I've gone through a season, whether it's a day, or maybe it's a week, or whatever it is, or maybe it's a long period of time where I've made the effort to pray, but I have felt like, you know, as the saying goes, my prayer didn't go above the ceiling, whatever. You know, you feel some coldness, and you feel like you're just going through the motions. And then when that season maybe finally comes to an end, I almost have to remind myself how to pray. You ever feel like that? Paul says that we have this armor of God, and now we ought to pray, he says, always with all prayer and supplication. When we pray, we should first and foremost pray with a worshipful attitude. We ought to pray with an attitude of worship. We ought to think that when I, when I, when I get in my closet, when I, whatever, when I close my eyes, even if I'm going down the road, whatever it might be, whenever I pray, I ought to think first and foremost, I am going to make the effort to worship my Lord as I'm praying. Now, there's a lot of other things that go on when we pray. There's a, a lot of things that go into our prayers. But first and foremost, I want to worship the Lord because I want to, I am praying to the creator of the universe. I am praying to the one who has delivered me from a death in trespasses and in sins to a life in Christ. I am praying for the, the one who has provided all things that I stand in need of. I am praying for or to an, an eternal being that I can't obviously fully comprehend, but I know he's there. I am praying to one who is far beyond my understanding whose love and power and glory and, and everything about him is far beyond what I can comprehend, but I want to pray. I want to worship him. I want to pray to him. And I want to acknowledge his honor. I want to honor, I want to acknowledge his glory. I want to honor, acknowledge his majesty. I want to acknowledge all of that as I'm praying. Prayer is uh, to be approached with a worshipful attitude. Isn't that what Jesus taught us in the model prayer in uh, Matthew chapter 6 when he said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Now, I've got a thought or two that I'm going to, uh, it may come at a different angle, but I want to I want to share something with you. We we memorize this model prayer, don't haven't we? We we know the Lord's prayer. We know it as the Lord's prayer, and uh, that's fine if you want to call it that. But the Lord's prayer, the prayer that the Lord has prayed, that is recorded for us, uh, that's probably the most significant prayer that He prayed, is found in John chapter seventeen. This prayer that we often call the Lord's prayer is a model prayer. He is teaching us how to pray. 
And it's okay to repeat it. It's okay to memorize it. That's fine. But it's also okay. In fact, it's even better that we take this model prayer and we follow it with, with, as, we, as we follow the leadership of the Spirit. And we use this as an example. That's why Jesus gave it. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So we approach prayer with, a, with an attitude of worship. And we pray to him acknowledging who our Father is, acknowledging who God is, acknowledging where he is, acknowledging something about his hallowedness, his, his righteousness, his glory, his blessedness. We pray according to his will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then we express our... Um, our needs. That's where supplication comes in. Paul says that we are to pray always with all prayer and supplication. So, so our needs and our, our wants, our desires, uh, yes, spiritually, uh, you know, spiritually minded wants and desires as we follow the leadership of the Spirit, praying that God would, would grant us those things. Yeah, that is supplication. And then finally, Jesus says, you know, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to I come back to a thought there in that uh, Sermon on the Mount in just a moment. Paul says we're to take this armor and we're to pray. To pray with all prayer and supplication. To approach the Lord in, in an attitude of worship, and then he says, we ought to watch. We ought to watch. He says, watching thereunto. What does that mean? We pray and we sit back and watch to see what happens? No, not really. Sort of in a way, but the sense is here that we are to pray and then we are to be keenly aware of what's going on around us. We're to be, it's similar to what Paul said in the fifth chapter of Ephesians when he uh, exhorts us to walk circumspectly. We're to, to, we're to be keenly aware. We're to be awake. We're to be attentive. We're to look at what is going on around us. Yes, in the world, but, but don't spend too much time there, okay? Don't spend too much time Soaking in everything that's going on in the world. This is something very personal. If I pray to the Lord and I pour out my supplications to Him, then I'm to be keenly aware of what is going on around me in my life, in my personal life. You know what that involves? That involves you. That involves my family, that involves my friends, that involves my church, that involve, it might involve my coworkers, it might, be, it might involve anybody that I come in contact with, but it involves the relationship I have with people now, here. Not what's going on in Washington, not what's going on on the other side of the world. Yeah, you know, take a look at that now and then so we, don't, we won't be walking in total darkness. But that's not what Paul is talking about when he says to be watching, to be watchful, and to be keenly aware. And I want to illustrate it this way by going back to Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. And remember, we have this armor. So turn there to Matthew chapter 7 if you'd like. Matthew chapter 7, 
And this is what Paul, or this is what Jesus uh, shares with us here. He addresses prayer earlier in this Sermon on the Mount. And then, he's, and then he says this, beginning in verse 7, Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. That sounds like prayer, doesn't it? That sounds like going to the Lord in prayer, asking, seeking, knocking. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now listen very carefully. Think with me now. We're talking about praying and watching, being keenly aware. Once we pray, we don't just go on our merry way and never think about what we just prayed for or walk, walk along in life oblivious to what's going on around us. We're to be keenly aware. He says, what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? So Jesus is, is asking this question. If your son asks you for bread, it doesn't have to be your son. If someone in need asks you for bread, what man among you is going to give him a stone instead? Or if he asks a fish, if someone is need, in need of a, a, a fish, you, you're going to give him a serpent? What, what man among you would do that, right? If ye then, being evil, and what Jesus means by that, what, what we're saying is, if you, having infirmities of the flesh as we do, uh, having this battle with our sinful flesh as we have, if we, being imperfect, if we, being plagued with sin at times, being plagued with uh, temptations at times, if we then, being evil, know how to give good gifts in spite of the fact that we're plagued with that sinful flesh and temptations, we still know how to give good gifts. Child of God, you know how to give good gifts and you know it's the right thing to do. So if that being the case, then how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? That's not the end of the lesson. Therefore, listen carefully now, think with me. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That's a part of this same passage of asking and seeking and knocking and the, the, the point that Jesus makes about you know how to give good gifts and if someone asks you who is in need, you're going to give them that. To the best of your ability, that's what you're going to do. So then, so then, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, you do likewise. Do you see the connection here that the, that the filling of our needs often comes through other people because you, children of God, you know how to give good gifts. So we're to pray, we're to ask, we're to seek, we're to knock, and then we're to be watching. We're to be aware, keenly aware of what's going on because God may answer your prayer through you. God may answer your prayer through me. He may answer my prayer through you all. He often, quite often in fact, it seems to be uh, in fact the, the more common case 
that God answers prayers when it comes to supplications, when it comes to those things which we need, He often answers those prayers through people. That's why we're to be keenly aware of what's going on. I need to be, you know, I need to have some kind of relationship with you. You need to have some kind of relationship with one another so that we know our needs and our wants and the things that we, you know, where we're lacking. We, we need to know enough about one another so that we can be keenly aware of what's going on in our personal lives of which you all are a part of one another's personal lives, right? And so we need to be aware of that to the extent practical and possible because God's going to answer your prayers through your brother or your sister. Does that make sense? We're to be watching. We're to put on this armor of God. There is a battle to fight, and it is a spiritual battle, and we're all involved in it. And Paul says, now, now pray. Get ready for the battle. Pray and watch. Watch. Now, don't watch TV. Don't watch the social media. Don't get on the Internet. Don't, don't look for your answers there. Look around you in your life and see how God is going to answer those prayers. And so... You make yourself available and willing and open to your brother or sister. That's how you would like for them to be towards you. So that's how you are towards them. Therefore, therefore, whatsoever ye would men should do to you. You, you know, we take that verse and we use it a little bit differently. And it's the common way to use it a little bit differently. But you look at the passage, you look at the context, and it might not mean exactly what we have always thought it. To mean, or at least there's another application of it. So Paul says, he says to pray, praying always with all prayer and supplication, back in Ephesians chapter 6, in the Spirit, <clears throat> in the Spirit. There's something else about watching, praying and watching. Paul says that we're to do so with, with all perseverance. We're, we're to pray with, with persistence. But we're also to watch with persistence, continually. That's what perseverance means, a continual persistence in these things, a continual persistence in prayer and in watching. There's a parable over there that, that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 18. It seemed like, um, seemed like I heard this mentioned, or maybe I mentioned it not long ago. I don't remember. But in Luke chapter 18, there's this parable that Jesus gives. And this parable involves a judge in a city, and this judge, he didn't fear God, and he didn't regard man. This judge, was a, he was a one-man show. He was all about himself. He didn't regard God, and he didn't regard man. But there was a widow in that city, and this widow came to the judge. Evidently, she had been wronged in some way, and she came to the judge, and she said to the judge, Avenge me of mine adversary. Make this thing right. I've been wronged. Judge, I know you don't regard God, and I know you really don't care about me, but I, you're the judge, and I need you to make this right. And he would not for a while. He just ignored her. Just, just go on. And that went on for a while. And the judge just ignored it, you know, and, and blew her off or whatever. And, and finally, you know what happened? This widow... <laughs> She's described as, he makes the statement, this widow troubleth me because she was continually going back to the judge. She would not relent. She was persistent. She knew she was in the right. 
the wrong that had been done needed to be corrected. It needed to be made right. And that, that was her need, all right? And so you see the picture. This widow kept going back and kept going back and kept going back. She was persevering in praying and watching, I think. And finally the judge said, you know, even though I don't regard God, I don't fear God, I don't regard man, but this widow's troubling me. She just keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. So you know what? <laughs> I'm going to grant her what she's asking. Now, don't try to make uh, a one-to-one -a 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 -one connection with everything going on in this parable. The lesson is for you and for me to be persistent in prayer. Persistent in prayer. And then the question, uh, Jesus asks the question, shall not God avenge his own elect? So whatever your need, child of God, God is going to meet that need. It might not be today. It might not be when you think it ought to be. And it might not be how you think it ought to be. But God, he says, the question, I guess that's called a rhetorical question, shall not God avenge his... Well, no, because he says shall not. God shall, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. Do, can, am I guilty of crying unto the Lord day and night? I don't know if I've ever been guilty of that. I've cried unto the Lord. I've sought the Lord. I've enjoyed sweet seasons of prayer. I've, I've enjoyed sweet seasons of communion with him. I've enjoyed long seasons of coldness, darkness it seems. We're to be persistent in prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto. Again, this has to do with, with being keenly aware. If you back up into that fifth chapter of Ephesians and you get that word circumspectly, if we've, heard, we've heard about this passage a couple of times in the past, in recent past. That word circumspectly, it tells us that we're to be observant. Sometimes we're to be cautiously observant. We're always to be, have a degree of caution, but we are to be keenly observant. We're to be vigilant Non-stop, continuous in giving attention to what's going on around us. Because it may be that very, uh, the very means by which, prayer, uh, by which God answers our prayers. Okay, let's move on a little bit further in this uh, Ephesians chapter 6. As I said, I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't kind of wrap some of this up, uh, this passage about the armor of God. Because if you've been given the armor, and you know it's a complete set of, of armor, if it's a complete set, you know that it's uh, exactly what you need. You know that God has given it to you. And you know he's given it to you because you're going to be engaged in a battle. And then you're just left there and no, don't know what to do with it and how to use it. That wouldn't be, do a whole lot of good. Would it? it might do a little bit of good for a little bit of time, but it wouldn't last long. And so we, we, so we begin this battle by praying. We're, we're to pray to God with, a, with an attitude of worship. We're to seek the leadership of the Spirit as we pray unto him. And then we're to watch. We're to be keenly aware. God might be answering your prayer and you miss it. You think that's ever happened? You think that's possible? I know it is. God might have answered your prayer and you totally missed it. Yeah, and then something happened a little bit later on down the road in another situation. And maybe you th you're mistaken in thinking that that was the answer to your prayer. When God answered your prayer a little while back, but I didn't realize it. 
We're to be keenly aware of what's going on around us, especially in our relationships with other people. And then the rest of the prayer, though, that Paul asks the Ephesians to pray, he, he, he says, you need to be praying always, and you need to be praying for others who are engaged in this battle. But then he says in verse 19, I want you to also pray for me. Pray for me, Paul says. Pray for me, the preacher says. Pray for me, the minister says. Pray for me, the apostle says. Pray for me that, the, that utterance may be given unto me. Utterance. Utterance. That word comes from a word that you're familiar with. Logos. Logos. It, it's a word that's used in, a, in a quite a variety of ways. The word means, for one thing, it means a, the word spoken, or it means the spoken word. It's either the, it can mean the act of speaking, but it can also refer to the thing that is spoken. It can mean my manner of speech, but it can also refer to the subject of my speech, of my speaking. It also refers to the reasoning in your mind. Paul is praying for all of it. Now, ultimately, ultimately that word is used, uh, translated as the word, word with a capital W, the word of God, the divine expression of God. Paul is praying that utterance would be given to him, that the right content would be given to him, the manner of delivery of that content would be given to him, the attitude that he should have as he delivers that would be given to him, the opportunity to deliver that would be given to him, and ultimately that all of that wrapped up together in Paul's efforts would point to the divine expression, the eternal word of God. That's Paul's prayer. And that ought to be the prayer of every minister, and I trust that it is. Every minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ desires that prayer from you, that utterance would be given us. Now, he says that I may open my mouth boldly. I would like to encourage you exhort you, strongly exhort you, to use the Apostle Paul as your example. Because as I've said recently, each and every one of us have the, the opportunity, the blessed privilege, and yes, the, um, the great obligation, really, the responsibility to utter, to speak, to speak those things concerning the Lord. To speak those things which we know and that we've experienced and we feel. And every opportunity for each and every one of you individually is going to look a little bit different. That doesn't mean that every single one of you are going to stand behind a, a man-made podium in front of people and, and declare the gospel. It goes back to relationship. It goes back to relationships. So as you are praying, and then you begin watching, and even though you have petitioned the Lord to supply your needs, the Lord's going to bring opportunities into your, into your life where not only are your wants and needs going to be met, you're going to have the opportunity to render praise unto God and to tell somebody else what you know 
about the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that something we ought to get excited about? Or is it something that scares you to death? It does scare me to death often. But it all, it's something we ought to get excited about. That we would have the opportunity, but just like the answer to our prayer might be missed if we're not watching, so too the opportunity might be missed if we're not watching, if we're not keenly aware. He prays that utterance would be given unto him, that he might open his mouth boldly. Let me give you a definition of boldness when it comes to, to speaking the things of the Lord, when it comes to speaking the truth. Let me give you a definition of boldness. Simply put, boldness means speaking the truth clearly, calmly, and consistently. That's boldness. You don't have to get loud. I don't have to get loud. I don't have to get all wound up, excited, and hooping and hollering and shouting and sweating and spitting, and I don't have to do all that. I certainly don't have to get angry. I don't need to get angry. I speak the truth calmly, clearly, and consistently. What I speak today, if it's the truth, that's what I need to speak tomorrow. And if you reject what I have to say today, that doesn't mean I jump on you and get louder and meaner tomorrow. I just speak the truth to you again tomorrow. And I'll say it the same way I said it today. Same attitude. Speaking boldly means speaking the truth clearly, calmly, and consistently. And we see that example in Christ himself. I mean, we see him teaching in the temple. Now, I know, I know you're thinking, you know, he went in the temple one time and overthrew the tables of some money changers. Yeah, they were defiling the house of God. That's a little bit different situation, okay? When Jesus spoke the truth, he just simply spoke the truth. He didn't have a bat in his hand hitting people over the head. He just spoke the truth. Even when he called out some of those unbelieving Jews and told them that they were of their father, the devil, he just simply spoke the truth. He spoke it clearly, calmly, and consistently. Even when they came to him there in John chapter 10 and he's walking about the temple, and there I can just imagine they're all, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly, how long are you going to make us to doubt? I've told you. And you believe me not. The works that I do, I do in my Father's name. If you don't believe me, at least believe for the works' sake. I mean, he didn't jump up and down. And, and scream and shout and holler. You crazy? I've been telling you all these years and you haven't believed me yet. He didn't say any of that kind of thing. Speaking boldly. And Paul prays that the people, would, or asks the people to pray for him, that he would speak boldly. That he would speak clearly, calmly, consistently. And he says to make known the mystery of the gospel. Very quickly, we've got to bring this to an end. There's several examples of being... I tell you what, go to the fourth chapter of Acts and you'll see Peter and John after they were arrested. After they were arrested, 
And, and you know what started all that? Because they healed a man. They healed a man. They didn't have the authority of the religious rulers of the day to heal that man, but they healed this man, and they brought him before. They brought Peter and John before the council and said, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Who are you? And they just simply spoke the truth. They spoke boldly because the, peop, the, the Jews, the leaders, they saw their boldness. They perceived that they had been with Jesus. I tell you, I want to experience more of Jesus so I can have that kind of boldness. I don't have to get loud if I've spent a little time with Jesus. <laughs> I don't have to get all angry and, and upset. I can be very calm because I've had uh, uh, sweet communion with Jesus, my Savior. I can speak calmly, clearly, and consistently. They perceived also, that they were ignorant and unlearned men, they went back after being threatened by the authorities to never speak in the name of Jesus again. They go back to the church, and they're, now they're hooping and hollering. Now they're excited. They're not angry. They're excited. They're not angry at being, being threatened and beaten or whatever happened to them. They're not angry about all of that. They are rejoicing that they had the privilege to suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. They were excited about it and they prayed and the whole place was shaken and they all prayed together in one, as one voice and they prayed that they would be given more boldness. That's amazing to me. Help me, Lord, to speak more clearly, more calmly, more consistently. Paul's praying for that. He prays that he would be able to make known the mystery of the gospel. And I'll leave you with this. The mystery of the gospel begins here. We'll have to come back to it. But it begins here. Well, there's a lot. I'm just going to say it begins here. But there's a lot involved in this mystery of the gospel. Think with me real quick. In this letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul says to the Gentiles, you were once Gentiles, separated from Think, think before Christ, okay? It's hard to, for us to think like this. Before Christ, if we had lived before Christ, here, here's where we would have been. We would have been outside of all of this. We would have been outside of all this for sure, but we would have been outside of the people who were favored of God, who were blessed of the Lord to have this. They, the, the Jews, think with me. If you were a Gentile before Christ, you were not a Jew, this is what the Jews had, you wouldn't have had it. From the time of Abraham, they were promised a place to dwell, to serve the Lord, to be His people, to be witnesses of His miracles of deliverance from bondage. The Jews had this, this uh, deliverance from bondage into the promised land. The Jews were given God's holy laws, His holy commandments. The Jews were given a, a place of, of rest. They were given instructions to build a tabernacle so that they could sacrifice unto the Lord that delivered them. They were given judges for a period of time and God was their king. He was their king. And then they were given a, the, the, the temple. They were given uh, the, uh, the privilege to build a house for the Lord. They were given all of that and all of that that they were given as Jews before Christ pointed to the coming Messiah, their Savior, their Deliverer. Gentiles 
would have had none of that. Paul put it this way, as Gentiles, you were without Christ, you were without those promises. As Gentiles, you would have been aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You would have been separated from the Jews. You would have been strangers from those covenants of promise. You would have, been, you would have had no hope and without God in the world. That's where we were. That's who we were. This is the beginning of the mystery. The mystery of the gospel is that God from before time began had a people. Even among the Gentiles before Christ. And even before the world began, God made a covenant. And in that covenant, He declared a great multitude of people that no man can number to be His. And He set His love upon them. He established His purpose for them. And He gave them grace in Christ His Son even before the world began. That's the beginning of the mystery. And Paul says, pray for me that I would have the utterance to declare, to make known the mystery of the gospel. And that is where this whole, this, this letter actually begins in declaring this great mystery. Now, Paul says this, that I would make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He prays twice. He mentions twice. I want you to pray for me for boldness. I want you to pray for me that I'd speak boldly to make known this mystery. Let us follow his example. Let us all together... <laughs> March along side by side following that example to speak this truth, to engage in that battle. Put on this armor. Start the battle with prayer and then watch. Watch to see how God is going to bless and answer prayer, deliver you, meet whatever the need is that you have. I said need, need. Watch how God is going to answer your prayers through one another. And may we speak that truth in love. May we speak it boldly, calmly, clearly, and consistently. Thank you again for listening. Rocky Mount Church is a primitive Baptist congregation located near Arab, Alabama. We invite you to look us up on the web at rockymountpbc.org. That's RockyMountPBC.org. You'll find various resources there on our website, as well as additional links to other Primitive Baptist sites. You'll find contact information there, and we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you again for listening. We look forward to the next opportunity we can spend some time together. May the Lord bless you, is our prayer. Amen.